Game of Thrones TV podcast. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined once again by the other two uh, members of the ruling triumvirate. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Monty <laughs> Ashley. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. And Brian Hamilton. Hi, Brian. How's it going? Well, the question, the real question I have is, who's in charge here? Because I feel like many, if not all, of the segments in episode two of season six of Game of Thrones, Home have to do with a question of who's in charge here at least who's that was the boss that was a theme i got out of it was was uh who's who's in who's got the power who's running the show who's in charge uh well, it's probably not the old generation the old generation worked out pretty badly in this episode i thought yeah well that's well can you honestly they sort of deserve it don't they because yeah. <laughs> this world is a mess so, Actually, I'll answer your question. The person who's in charge is the wall. Ah, oh, the wall is in charge. <laughs> in that people are constantly getting smashed against the wall and leaving a big blood stain. It's true. It's there true. Two separate scenes, and I thought there was going to be a third. Also, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Um, uh, I have. A, I have a question for both of you, which is, uh, what thing in this episode uh, reminded me of uh, Comedy Central in the 1990s? Ooh, okay. Whoa. Hang on. Um, was it the way Tyrion took some Mentos and then charmed those dragons? <laughs> that's a, that's very close. That's right. The Fresh Maker. <laughs> you does. take some Mentos, you can get away with anything. You can, you can do anything. Uh, actually, in King's Landing, the, the first scene in King's Landing, there's a guy who's like, oh, and then Cersei walks up to me and she gives me a little look and hey, and I thought, these are like the comedy <laughs> routines of Westeros. All oh, it yeah. needs is a brick wall for him to be talking yeah. against and it would be like every Comedy Central video from the 1990s. And the next scene, there is a brick wall and the guy's head is smashed into it like a melon. <laughs> that was so, the invention fantastic. of stand-up comedy. And wasn't that the same <laughs> guy that was waving his privates at Cersei during the shame shame scene it would not surprise me right I've blocked right. out most of that sequence so I'm the wrong person to ask ding that's all I know <laughs> there was a bell after every three shames uh, but anyway that was that was a moment of like oh this guy's a real comedian he uh, just needs a brick wall to stand in front of and literally the next scene is his head getting smashed into a into brick wall and being dead uh, they got they got some work to do on the comedy front in Westeros. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Just a little little. He needs to workshop it a little bit more. Uh, hey, we should talk about. So, who's in charge in King's Landing? I think there are a couple. Uh, there are a couple options here. Um, uh, it, when we're in King's Landing, uh, yeah. So the zombie zombie mountain kills the guy who's joking about Cersei, uh, and, <laughs> and and we also get uh, Cersei can't go to Marcella's funeral, and they, there's like a look between the zombie mountain and the Kingsguard guys, and they <laughs> they back off, and he feels very relieved because that the the zombie mountain would have like uh, chopped most of them in half. I w- I would think he, he's oh, clearly 100%. going to do that at some point, right? Mm. Like he's just going to kill everybody. Yeah, I think so. There may be nobody I think left. he he may actually not be that powerful and just using him as a big scary reminder oh. of who is in charge. Interesting. It's like a like a weekend at Bernie's kind of thing. <laughs> <where> it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I, no, I got were, him right here. It's the mountain. You know, he's scary. Watch out. <laughs> I thought they were going to weekend at Bernie's Jon Snow at one point. Yep. Yep. 
I saw a good. I saw well. It wasn't good. It was a poorly done Photoshop of Jon Snow's face and yeah. Wigan and Bernie's, and I thought, oh, that's pretty funny. But, but the mountain we did. We we know the mountain is at least strong enough. The zombie mountain to uh, to smash that comedian's head into the wall. So you know, he might he might be dangerous. Uh, we get a scene with Toman and Jamie. So who's in charge here? Well, theoretically, King Toman is in charge here, and we see uh-huh. him, and he's grown up a little bit, and he's talking to talking to his uncle, <clears throat> his dad, and. Uh, and uh, but maybe the High Sparrow's in charge here. The High Sparrow comes in, and Jamie sends Toman away, and they have a whole uh, little uh, little thing where Jamie says, "What about all of my my sins?" and then threatens to uh, run the High Sparrow through. But of course, the his, he's got his little uh, his little guys uh, all around him. So the idea there is, you can kill me, but uh, and some of my guys, but you can't kill all of us because there's a lot of us. And uh, uh, but I, I thought that was a fun exchange where. Uh, the high sparrow even says, go spill my blood. The gods won't mind. Go ahead. Uh, that was a nice little reminder that, uh, the high sparrow is actually pretty, uh, intimidating and has enough force behind him Mm. to fare with the Lannisters. And and him being a revolutionary, right? He says, every one of us is poor and powerless, and yet together we can overthrow an empire. This is more of his rabble-rousing, like, you know, I can I can take over from the king, basically, uh, and lead a popular revolt against your uh, royalty. Mm-hmm. And a moment later, when Tommen meets up with Cersei, I think the message we were supposed to take is that Tommen purposely didn't let Cersei go into that funeral, because she definitely would have killed the High Sparrow and then get thrown back in prison, right? Well, and it would have, it would have, uh, I think, initiated a, a confrontation with the with the High Sparrow, right? Because the High Sparrow said, yeah. "You can't bring your mother. She's a sinner, and we're not going to let her in." Uh, so, well, and, if she's and, ever any, if she's ever anywhere near the High Sparrow, it's on. Oh yeah, I think that's, I think that's how the uh, Zombie Mountain is going to be deployed, right? <laughs> is, yeah. is, is for that. And if the, if, if Zombie Mountain had been there with Jamie, I think uh, I liked their odds of killing the High Sparrow and all of the guys in chains that are around. That they, they would, the, yeah, I think they would take care of those guys. And that, that's, that's why I would say at King's Landing, the, the most important answer to the question of who's in charge is Cersei's back in charge toman is saying help me i want you to guide me what should i do i don't want to be weak anymore and she and it's sort of like yes yes she she is uh you know back in as the main advisor to the king i don't think i think the high sparrow's in charge yeah well i think i think it's a real question right and there's going to have to be a conflict to determine who is who's really got the got the power here and is it the is it the lannisters is it is it toman and and their traditional power or is it too far gone and it's the the high sparrow well sparrow aside i am almost positive that when uh toman went in and said listen i don't want to be weak anymore you raised me to be strong i'm going to be strong advise me and yeah. i thought okay she he he basically gave cersei permission to have him be a sock puppet for whatever the hell she wants oh yeah she's the i mean she's basically the hand of the king again at this point and 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 you know he and and their family right that not not just toman but you know the uh with with marjorie and with Uncle Kevin and all of that, right? It was all like, no, 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 Cersei's done. We're, we finally are rid of her. You've got the wife and you've got your, your uncle and, and they're going to be your advisors. And this is coming all the way around where, you know, Marjorie is still locked up, but Cersei's here and she's going to be the one uh, telling Toma what to do now. So that that gives her more power. But I do think there's that question of can can the 
what what are the we don't know anything about the assets here it's like what can can they withstand a popular revolt by the uh the high sparrow and all of his followers or not maybe mm-hmm. cersei and marjorie team up to mm. attack the high sparrow maybe marjorie needs to get out first we did we didn't see her this episode did we no nope upsetting and no. i know they don't get along but if they are both out they have common cause now that's true it's true. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with Jonathan Price uh, and what what his what his game is. If he has a game, or if it is like seriously just, I'm gonna put the uh, I'm gonna put the religion back where it belongs because his relationship with Tolman is interesting. I think I think he has uh, you know put pressure on him, but you know I, I don't think he's he. Th- there are no charges to gin up uh, against Tolman at this point, and I do wonder if maybe the High Sparrow's endgame is essentially to have have it be that the king uh recognizes his authority and um and and all of that although you know the way he talks we can overthrow an empire perhaps the high sparrow's goal is greater than that which is just to completely overthrow the the king and uh the royalty i don't know yeah if he's that radical or if he would stop at sort of like being the more in control I mean, I'm not convinced there is an empire to overthrow right now yeah. has everybody resolved <laughs> the civil war yet nope yeah ish that's putting the cart before the horse yeah it's true um hey uh bran is back and uh hodor is back who's that well so if you remember think back a long long time uh bran sometimes yeah remember that that was that crazy scene where there were all the dead uh the dead uh zombie guys in the snow and they fought and the 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 one guy uh died but bran (laughs) was okay and uh he went and saw the three-eyed raven who who is uh who is now max von saito sweet yeah and they and they do they travel in time and they watch uh the the Winterfell back before it sucked when yeah. <laughs> when it's uh it's uh, Ned Stark as a kid and his uncle and and Bran's uncle Benjen is there and we see Lyanna the beautiful Lyanna who we've only ever heard a, a couple of uh, stories about and she's down in the crypt <laughs> who may or may not be very very important or maybe not yeah or maybe who not knows? Lots of speculation among fans of the books, and nothing has been proven. The idea that Lyanna Stark is uh, Jon Snow's real mother, and that his father was a Targaryen, um, and not the story, which is that it was that he's Ned's bastard. Um, but there's no proof. There's just talk about that. I mean, they've opened up the path to it now that they are actually going back to uh, to old, old, old Winterfell, and we can see what she's up to. Bran can, I mean, theoretically, Bran can can see what happened in the past. And if people were like, well, we'll never know what the truth is, Bran, Bran can find it out. It's setting up something really big for him so that, I mean, he's been so far removed from everything else that I can't imagine anything that uh, that he learns, any revelations he has, isn't going to have massive implications. <laughs> there needs to be a way to get him back into this plot. He hasn't even been in the show for a year, and yeah. he needs something big mm-hmm. to bring him back. This could be that thing. And we did get to see what Hodor was like before he could only say Hodor. Yeah, his name was and, Willis, and and we could, and he was talking, and we could ask, "What you talking about, Willis?" Mm, wow! <laughs> but right. we won't. Oh. We could ask that, mm. but we will. I will not. say this: I feel like this show is a little mean to fat people. Hmm. Not all fat people are lumbering, clumsy oafs, but between Willis and. Hot pie, Hot pie and yeah. Samwell, Samwise, whichever one the show has. Samwell. Yeah. Samwell is this one. Um, 
I feel and like also Samwise in the in the Lord of the Rings well, too. Let's just yeah, throw him in. Yeah, but I can't blame George R. R. Martin for that one. No, it's weird that uh, Hodor I think seems smarter when he can only say Hodor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's got that kind of wisdom, but he he's it's yeah. Hodor is an interesting. I mean, it's kind of a, a comic character, right? But you see the tragedy here that obviously something yeah. happened to him. That I, made I, him I was never worried it was going to happen yeah. in that scene. Like, come on, Willis, let's have some fighting practice right next to this horse. Yeah. It'll be fine. Oh, I kicked <laughs> him in the head. Now all he says is Hodor. Um, I did like the, there's a, we see Mira outside and she's really bored because for a whole season she's, I guess, been just waiting around <laughs> watching him warg into various things and travel in time. But the, 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 the lady of the, the, the wood lady, whatever she is, the children of the forest, says mm-hmm. he can't stay here forever and he's going to need you. So we get the hint that, you know, Bran is going to have some sort of a quest or something. He's going to have to go back out in the world. So that's almost like a little bit of a promise that we're going to, we're going to, now we've gotten a demonstration of his, of of the, what he's learned, but eventually he's going to have to go out into the world. Although, be, being that he's the warg and he can put himself in other uh, other people, and we've seen him do like sort of drive Hodor. I I keep thinking that his end game is is uh, uh is running a dragon. Yeah, I don't know. Ooh, yeah, interesting. Just I, I think it's either running a dragon or he just runs a big communication network where he is behind all of the trees. Right. Yeah, because he could he could communicate instantaneously everywhere across the world. Uh, maybe yeah. and maybe his task is to bring people together. Right. Is to is to say you know here's what's happening with the uh, with the uh, the uh, the the White Walkers in the north and here's how we have to coordinate and I can show you that this is what's necessary and kind of bring everybody together to fight against the common enemy. Maybe that's the, yeah. the use of his power. I don't know. Or, or maybe all he does is just give us uh, flashbacks to before the show started, and we get to see what happened in various places. Because yeah. that'd be fun. It's like the brand uh, brand presents you. anthology series. Yeah. <laughs> My question for you two is: How much time do you think has passed in terms of the actual timeline of the show? Because he's been gone for a year, our time. But who knows? This could be maybe the first time he's ever warged into the past. Maybe nah. this is the first time he's ever done something like that. I'm wondering how they're going to catch him back up, and I'm wondering, you know, what he's done for the past year. All the storylines have been wildly out of sync. Yeah. I tried to keep track of it in season one, but you kept having Littlefinger going from one side of the map to the other in a single episode while other people were still stuck in the same conversation. Yeah, that even happened last so, week, right? Where last week, yeah. it seemed like with the King's Landing story, several weeks went past, but at the wall, uh, less than a day passed. Yeah. Exactly. So it's I, I think Bran is so aged so visibly that um, yeah. you know it has to have been a while because the actor is obviously a year older and going through puberty. But um, but so it's been a while. I like to think that that what we've skipped over is his training montage, basically. Yeah, uh, I did like when the flashback started. I thought it was the first scene of the series again. Mm, me too. Bran was being taught swordplay. Then it turns out he's actually watching his father. Yeah, that young. That was cute. Yeah, I like that. And they get to, because he, in his, um, uh, 
in his astral form or whatever, he can walk around and stuff, which was actually yeah. kind of funny because it's been so long that, uh, I mean, obviously I remember that Bran can't walk, but you know, then I see him walking around and I'm like, oh yeah, he's walking around. And then you see him having to be carried by Hodor and you're like, oh, right. He only walks around when he's in his mental projection, when he's in his regular body, he's, uh, he's unable to walk and gets carried like around Like in the last Hodor. season of Oz after Augustus Hill died. But he came back to narrate a couple episodes. Spoilers for Oz. And he was walking around. Sure. You could, that could be a lie, and I wouldn't even know. Because I never saw I that show. Look. It's like if you watched Oz, and then you watched Lost, and he's walking around in Lost. Ah, I see. <laughs> it's confusing. Um, hey, let's go to uh, Marine. How about that? Marine's a great place to go next. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's in Slaver's Bay. It's the best place to go because the masters have taken the other cities and gotten back to Slaven. Uh, and there's a fun scene here where I wrote down, this is the what are our assets scene. It's like, did, did we, <laughs> why didn't you tell me we had a Holocaust, Holocaust cloak and a wheelbarrow? Um, it's like, what do we have? Uh, Tyrion says. Also, Tyrion gets uh, gets the real side eye for making uh, eunuch jokes because oh, uh, yeah. Grey Worm does not appreciate your eunuch jokes. Uh, Varys probably doesn't either, but Grey Worm But he really always makes doesn't. dwarf jokes. He doesn't, though. In his mind, he does. He thinks them. <laughs> that's yeah. That's it's funny. You know, Tyrion is funny, but it is the what do we have? And the answer is we have dragons. <laughs> this, oh, do you think those would be useful, Tyrion? I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. Well, I I he, like that. I, I, after all this of like these dragons being there, and we know we have, we we have all the out of universe reasons, right? Why we don't see a lot of the dragons because they're expensive, they're CGI and all of that. But in the universe, it's sort of like really you're just going to hide them away. And Tyrion's first thing he does is like, well, we got the dragons, and I know the lore that says you can't starve the dragons; you got to let them run free and be dragons. Because the Targaryens tried to to pen them up, and they ended up being the size of cats. Which um, is awesome. Why aren't we doing that? Cat Who dragons? wouldn't want a cat Well, because they dragon. die. Because they die out entirely. Like, it, it was just part of the diminishing. I guess you got to let them out once they get to be the size of a cat. You got to let them run a little bit so right. that they don't die. They get into baby dog sized. Um, I don't know a lot about dragons, but you know who does drink and know things? Tyrion Lannister. He Tyrion says Lannister. he knows things. I think he just wanted to go to a dragon petting zoo. Hmm. It could be he does admit when he's down there with the dragons that he as a kid he wanted a, he wanted a dragon and he was sad. Um, also, he points out that uh, to Masande that she's a friend of the dragons, uh, and I assume that what he was going to do was be like, "Well, why don't you go let him out then?" But instead, it's like, "No, you don't. You just stay here. I'm going to go check out the dragons." Um, and uh, we open the door, and my note at this point in my uh, in my little notebook was, "Oh, they're bigger than cats. These these yeah. these, these dragons are larger than <laughs> than, than cats." Yeah, well, um, I realized this is the first time he's ever actually seen the dragons. Except, exactly. No, he no. was at the he was at the um the fighting pit at the when fight she when, when Drogon yeah. dropped in, right? But mm-hmm. and took her this away. This is the first time he's ever been uh, up close and personal with them, but and that was a really saw, nice moment. He saw one of the dragons when they were sailing there. That's like flying by, right? Yeah, mm. yeah, that's true. But when they, they were but, going through Stoneskin Land, this is his up close and personal with the dragons. Uh, I really like this scene, right? I mean, and the, I saw somebody on Twitter Twitter comment that um, Peter Dinklage, uh, pretty great, even in a scene where there's no other human beings, <laughs> it's just him <laughs> and the CGI, and he's still pretty amazing as he tells his little story while watching these horrifying giant dragons mm. think about <laughs> roasting him alive, <laughs> and they well, don't. You know what? 
<laughs> Off topic of Game of Thrones, turns out that new Jungle Book, surprisingly good. Hmm. Okay. I'm just throwing that out there, just, as it's another one real person yes. kind of land of CGI. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you enjoy seeing a, a single human surrounded by CGI animals, also consider Jungle Book. <laughs> Life um, of Pi. Yeah, this this is, it, but he, like, I'm friends with your mother, I thought was really funny, yeah. and also he's terrified, <laughs> um, and he, you know, he said about how that they're, they're intelligent, and, and he's talking to them and telling the story about when he was a kid, wanting to, wanting to see a dragon, and he pulls the pin on the, he, like, he puts his hand on the dragon, and he pulls the pin and frees it, it's just like, the guy, it's such a great scene, because he's, like, figured out how to do this, and then the thing that gets me the most in this scene is that as soon as this happens, the other dragon basically get like gets down and puts out the the, the the dragon's neck with the collar and the pin, like me now, do me now. It's like yeah, they are smart. They are they yep. are not dumb animals at all. Mm-hmm. We're not going to eat you until you finish pulling yeah. these pins. Then we'll think about then it. Then we'll then we may <laughs> roast you, but. Uh, I just, I thought that was really great. And, and it's, it's, and he's so sort of smooth when he's doing it all, which is, makes the payoff that much better when he walks back out to, to Varus up the stairs and says, the next time I have that, an idea like that, just punch me in the face. <laughs> Cause I think he did not really expect the dragons to be quite as terrifying and huge as they actually were, but, uh, it worked. At least, you know, he released the dragons. Um, are, are they free or are they just unchained but still in that vault? I think they could get out of the vault, but we didn't see, like, the shot of them escaping into the into the air because that might have blown their budget. But I mm-hmm. th- that was my assumption is that they're chained and closed in because if they, uh, you know, they, they have to do both to keep them there. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, they certainly can't come out the way that Tyrion left because right. that's a tiny human-sized door, but... They got the runway, the they got the hangar bay on the other side of the dragon thing. I don't know. I don't know. I think so, though. I think that because that's the point is that they need to be able to fly free. I just think well, that's we what didn't I thought, see it. but it was, it was weird that we didn't see them yeah, flying free. I agree. I agree. I still thought that was a, that was a really cool scene, though. That's oh, yeah. great, great, great dinglage action. Plus dragons. We like the dragons. We don't see them yeah, very it was often. Great. And they look they look kind of scraggly. That's the other thing is they look kind of sad. They've been closed up down there. Um, and they, they, they don't look like uh, happy dragons, which I thought was appropriate that they're, they're, they've been mistreated. This is, you yeah. know, their mother uh, locked them up out of fear of them, but they've been mistreated. And, and the first thing that Tyrion does is let them back out. Because, again, seriously, what are our assets? She's the mother of dragons. Everybody is terrified of her because she's got dragons. Dragons haven't been seen in hundreds of years. And what do you do? You hide the dragons? No, no, no. Let's just <laughs> let them go. Let let the dragons fly around. If they love you, they'll come back. If nothing else, there'll be cool dragons flying around. Sweet. That's right. People will want to live here just because they might see a dragon. Now, the shepherds might have a problem with, uh, yeah. you know, occasionally. As we learned last week, for too long. As we learned last week, charred bones are much cheaper than dragons. Yeah. It's true. True. Very true. Um, let's see. Where else do we need to go? Bravos. Bravos. Uh, who, <laughs> oh, thank oh, I was going to say, Marine who's, in, Marine, who's in charge in Marine? Well, Tyrion Lannister's in charge, and he's letting the dragons out. That's who's in charge in Marine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in Bravos, who's in charge? A girl is not in charge. That <laughs> well, is my answer. <laughs> here's my entire note for Bravos. Arya's feistier, but still gets walloped. Yeah. But she gives she gives Chicken Hagar the right answer, which is... Oh, the, yeah. She's not dumb enough for, to fall for that trap. Yeah. A girl has no name. Uh, you know... 
but that yeah my lines are essentially what's your name a girl has no name a girl is not a beggar anymore um this is the logical next step in the process she's a little bit better at fighting blind and she basically says okay you got me i learned my lesson i'm not going to tell you who who i am i'm going to say that i'm nobody that you know lesson learned i think at this point and uh and so she gets to go move on to the next stage in her training i guess to be a faceless assassin Two things about Arya that I want to bring up. One, uh, I think she has the most potential for an interesting storyline this year because she's been so cooped up in uh, in the House of Black and White last year, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited that she's you now back out and about. Two, I'm she has so far gone from where she started, and every season for her is something wildly different that. I'm starting to wonder why she's so devoted to the House of Black and White, and the answer lies two or three years ago, and I'm starting to wonder, you know, is this too far gone? Have we gone too far down a rabbit hole for Arya? Or hopefully they'll redeem themselves this season in terms of what she does and who she becomes. But at this point, it's like, well, just stop getting beaten up by these people, please. <laughs> I, I think the core of Arya has been relatively set since uh, Ned Stark died, which is she wants to kill people for revenge. She spent a couple of years listing the people she specifically wanted to murder. And then she found the people who can teach her to murder the best. And I think she's sticking with them until she can be a perfect murderer. And then she ditches them and goes off and says, all right, who, who's still alive from my list? And it's going to be nobody because, you know, <laughs> people die quick. At, at yeah. that point, people are going to die. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, getting her out of the house. This is one of those weird areas where I, where we, they've actually done her uh, story out of sync. Where in the books, sorry to bring up the books, people who haven't read the books. But what's interesting about it is the the she's blind. She has to learn a lesson, and then she kind of gets more information. It happens in that order, and the reverse happens here, where she sort of does this this all the stuff of last season, and then she gets punished, is made blind. Uh, originally, it's I think just part of her training. So they they kind of flipped it around a little bit but i agree brian that that the, the hope here is that we're gonna get we're gonna get her through this and she's gonna you know we're gonna learn i hope things that are going on in that part of the world that she's gonna be able to discover through her being one of the faceless men one of the assassins um and i do assume that somewhere down the line what's gonna happen is she's gonna be whether whether put in a position where she has to act in terms of revenge or whether she's going to be put in a position where she needs to betray you know her order in order to relay information or save somebody because of uh, the overarching storyline. But it'll be interesting to see where she goes. I think we're going to see her like go someplace interesting and learn things that that uh, nobody else, none of our other characters have had a chance to learn yet at some point. I don't know. Right, right. No, I'm a fan of that. Monty, you're right. I, that makes a lot more sense thinking about that. But for the past season, maybe it's the pacing of the story and the way she's inserted into the show. I'm not sure. But I do feel like we're so far gone from that core element at this point that yep. it's a little fuzzy. And I really do like your theories, Jason, about where we're going to go from here. Yeah, some, some, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully yeah, somewhere. I, not another season of just kind of bopping around in Bravos, uh, killing people. <laughs> like let's let's move it move it along, move it along, people. Um, but a girl is not in charge in in Bravos. Uh, she's, no. she's no one. Uh, let's go to Winterfell. 
Uh, who's oh in charge in Winterfell? Well, guess what? I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so Bruce, Bruce Bolton is mad again at uh, how badly Ramsey has done everything. Uh, um, just be as sadistic as you like. Don't let it get in the way of business. Exactly um, right. That's the thing. Roos is locked down. He is an awful person who is like got, or in the last shot of this scene, you see all his papers and stuff laid out. And Ramsey doesn't need any papers. <laughs> Ramsey just kills people and throws people <sighs> to the dogs and is an awful person. Uh, but when the news comes that, uh, that Roos's uh, new wife, uh, one of the Walders, <laughs> Lady Walda, uh, one of the Waldo Walder. Yeah, exactly. Has had a boy who is a legitimate son. Uh, that is like super scary to Ramsey. And so he stabs Roos Bolton, uh, and says, basically, it's like, yeah, I guess I'm going to be the mad dog now and I'm going to, I'm going to be in charge here. And Karstark, who is the son of the guy that Rob had put to death, um, and, oh, poor, poor baby Karstark, still holding a <laughs> grudge at, at Rob killing his dad because his dad was a traitor. Great job. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, dude. <laughs> uh, but he's obviously not surprised and is behind all of this. So, um, yeah. So again, you got you you brought this up last week. Do we need more reminders that Ramsey is awful? <laughs> and I I I like that Ramsey is so bold that he kills his father here. I think that's like okay because I don't think do, do you guys think he's not clear, he's clearly not capable of doing the job that his dad did and he's going to blow it now. I feel like this is oh, yeah. the pinnacle for Ramsey. Is like no no no, I got it now. I can do everything. I'm going to take over and he's completely incapable of it because he's a he's a madman. He's oh, going to yeah. do something stupid, and he might have short-term success, but he is not built for the long game no. at all. He has no strategy He's because he's, yeah. he's nuts, because he's got to do crazy things to, uh, to, because he's so horrible. Yeah. I want to say one thing I really liked in the Winterfell scenes. By this point in the show, we had seen two people smashed against walls and killed. Yes. The cool wildling giant smashed somebody against a wall, yep. and of course the mountain smashed somebody against a wall. And as a side note, I would totally watch a show about mute giants. That's just the uh -huh. wildling giant and the mountain, and maybe Hodor and can Hodor. get in there and, as well. Yeah, Hodor. And they just sit around and don't say anything. <laughs> anyway, because we had seen two people smashed against walls and killed, when Ramsey was holding that baby, it uh, was oh, horrifying. Mm. Yep. That was Hitchcockian suspense. Yeah. Where, oh God, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Oh no, didn't didn't kill him that time. Oh, going to feed him to the dogs. All right. So can I can I make a suggestion? I'm, I wonder what you think of this. I think it would have been perfectly fine to end this scene with Ramsey saying, "Have Walda brought to me," because that's all 100%. you need to know. He's going to kill. Yeah. He's going to kill her and the baby. Did we need to see him? run into her down on the in the courtyard and hold the baby and give the baby back and then lead her painfully slowly into the kennels and open the doors while she gets increasingly agitated and then have him release the hounds and cut to his face as we hear the hounds uh kill her and her baby did we did we really we know what's going to happen did we need to go all that way to see it i, I didn't or did not see it to hear it I didn't need the kennels, but like I say, I thought the moment he was holding the baby was chilling enough that I liked that mm. scene. So, like, for me, I would keep that, then have him hand the baby back, smile, and say, 
Let's go to the kennels, and then we cut. Yeah, sure. Sure. It's I just agree. The, I, I, yeah. The show te- seems to still take some degree of glee in the awfulness of everything that Ramsey does. Yeah. And I, you know... I think you did your job already, everyone. <laughs> I think we got it. I think everybody yeah. hates him and wants him to die. And it will I don't take know what, his comeuppance, what could his comeuppance possibly look like at this point to actually be satisfying? Because oh, I don't want to watch him get eviscerated. I'm tired of watching people get eviscerated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're I'm, watching the wrong show, Monty. <laughs> I just, well, you know, it's the. Noted. The, yes, perhaps it will be one of those ironic things where he is himself fed to his dogs. Um, but still, yeah, it just feels like, uh, that last scene, especially you're right. There is the suspense when he holds the baby the first time, but that last scene in the kennels, I just, I, I, once again, I have one of those flashbacks to last season where I have to ask myself, are these producers just in, do they really, are they protesting too much about Ramsey? Do you know, he has, he's a horrible sadist. Are you guys kind of enjoying this too? By mm-hmm. showing it to to us again, because it's not that fun to go into yeah. the details of uh, a, a newborn baby and his mother being uh, eaten by dogs. Yeah. Not one bit. No, that but is the I one place that, I can't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think his next move is going to be to attack Castle Black, and maybe he'll be surprised to find an army of wildlings and a giant in it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I think I, he he's going to mess it up, right? I mean, I think that oh, that's yeah. very clear. Is that it, and that's where people, you know, people who are like, "Oh, Ramsey Bolton, I'm really tired of him." It's like he's going to get. I'm pretty sure he is going to get his comeuppance. I I, I kind of feel like that's the reason they keep showing us how terrible it is is because they really want to load that. And, and without his father to guide him, I think we can now see the the method of his downfall and that that um you know he's not just gonna lose a battle i feel like he's gonna lose the north like the way it may work out is that he may go fight to a stalemate or he may not even get to to castle black but he will do something that that is impolitic and that he will just he will lose uh he will lose the 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 mind of the lords of the north and that'll be it he'll be he'll he'll have blown it there's a chance that will. just on the way from Winterfell to the Wall, he has half of his army tortured to death. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's a Tuesday. See, his, yeah, exactly. For me, his storyline is paralleling Theon's uh, several years ago in a very uh, distinct way in that he's doing these horrible things to satisfy both his own urges, but then also his uh, his family and his father are playing into it so much that he's going to ridiculous lengths to uh, you know take Winterfell and do all these horrible things so that he makes sure he's in power, even though eventually, like Theon, hopefully there's going to be somebody knocking on his door saying, hey, you're awful, you're screwing up, you can't do this, so we're going to you know, take you and do these horrible things. Uh, he is the worst of both Theon and Joffrey because I mean everyone loves mm-hmm. to hate Joffrey I don't want to hate uh, Ramsey anymore I just want him gone like yeah. this is difficult to watch and this isn't even holding a candle to Theon's torture uh, two years ago which is like the fact that we're here now complaining about this I, I would like to remind you guys that we did see him very very intimately torture Theon a while ago which was yeah. horrible to watch well, he's, he's he seems to me that he's gone out of the love to hate category if he were ever in it to it's just 
he's hateful and awful and I don't really enjoy the scenes he's in. I, I, I liked seeing him betray his father only because I feel like that was an interesting move. I was sort of surprised to see Roose Bolton get killed, but um, more than that, I enjoyed it because I feel like he sowed the scenes of his own downfall. But to see him be a monster again and again, it's not fun. It's just awful. We get it. I mean, new HBO's information is not being conveyed at any no, point. No, no. The new information was now he's got a lead and he's not going to be able to lead because he's a monster. And that was new yeah. and interesting. And the, the the fact that they had the politics of the North, right? The Karstarks. And they're saying, oh, well, we've got these families and we can do it and we need new leadership. And I, I keep fe- feeling like, yeah, but then you're going to have Jon Snow brought back from the dead and you're going to have uh, you, you've got uh, Sansa Stark, who is kicking around, too. Um I think you're going to, I think it's not going to be as easy as you think. I think you, and, and that you will have blown it by doing what you did by, uh, leading Theon to spirit away Sansa. You have, uh, you know, you really have, uh, it's all going to come home to roost for him. I suspect in the end, but yeah, we don't need any more scenes of him being a monster. We get it. We get it. We get it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of Sansa, we get, uh, we get, uh, a little scene that, that I thought was really nice where Brienne tells her the story that she was, saw Arya. She was with some other, yeah. some other man. It's like, yeah, that was the hound. <laughs> but that's the first time Sansa's found out that any of her siblings are alive. Exactly. Since season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really great. Yeah. Yes. I saw her and, and that she closes that loop because one of the frustrations in a lot of shows like this that have all these mm-hmm. different threads is that nobody ever, we never see anybody talking or imparting information. I mean, there's a raven comes or whatever. Like it's like, Oh, a bird from the King's Landing tells us the king is dead. But, uh, this was like, no, I saw her. She's still alive. Um, and we, and we know that she knows that Bran and Rickon are still alive. So that so so that she's got Sansa's got the knowledge of so many people who are still alive who are Starks and that's super Wait. dangerous too. Rickon 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 who Rickon is um he just he, left the show two he's seasons ago. Available in the Riverlands somewhere. I think he's he, he's, he's uh, feeding frogs or something he, down in the river. He's over he on got, Cartoon Network now with Morty, right? Rickon yeah. Morty. He got the Chuck Cunningham treatment. We don't speak of Rickon anymore. Well, they, they, they said they said his name, though. That's the thing. It's just maybe that's what Bran's goal is next, is the search for Rickon. Got to get Rickon oh Rick and, his, uh, and his dire wolf back. Got to get the band maybe back the fi- Maybe the final shot of the series is Rickon and Tommen high-fiving and saying, thought we were the boring ones, huh? <laughs> I'd like to see Rickon just emerge from the woods somewhere at the, in the last scene and be like, hey, everybody, what did I miss? The end. Yes. Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, oh, so the- and Theon, in a in a character move that I don't really understand, honestly. I mean, he tries to explain himself that that he mm. fe- feels like he's going to be judged wherever he goes, which is true. So he's just going to go home, which is the name of the episode. Where are you going to go? You're going to he's going to go home to the Iron Islands, where he's also going to be judged and treated terribly. So I don't really understand why he wouldn't stick with Sansa and Brienne and Pod, but uh, for reasons that have been decided by the writers of the show, instead he's going to go back to the Iron Islands, who we then see in the next scene. Uh, you know, I don't. No, it seems like a weird move on Theon's part to me. He wants mm-hmm. the approval of his father, and since Ned's dead, he has to go back to Balin. Yeah, which, as it turns out, mm. not going to work. Not going to work out because Balin <laughs> Greyjoy is uh, hurled First over. Of all, yes, turns out he's still alive. We weren't actually sure. No, because the curse that was done on uh, on Joffrey and Rob 
was by uh by the the red woman by Melisandre was also supposed to be on uh on Bale and Greyjoy. Yeah. And in the books Bale and Greyjoy dies at that at that that week too by th- by falling over, you know, was did he jump or was he pushed, but he falls he falls off of a bridge. Uh so instead he's still alive in the TV show but not for long cuz his brother shows up <laughs> and says, "You're too old for this" and throws him over uh down to his death. Have they not seen any other blockbusters that just came out? You can't stand on a bridge like that with somebody you're related to. It's super dangerous. It's not going to work out. The Greyjoys love being dangerous. Plus, they're sailors. They probably think, you know, rope bridges. This is as close as we can get to being on the ocean while still being on this land you people have. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're just on the crappy rocks, so they've got that. So anyway, so we we see before that we see Theon's sister, who we haven't seen in like two years again, um, and uh, she is talking to her father, and he says, "Well, I'm still the king, and you know maybe you can make things different when you're running this place." But then he dies, and we get the thing. And this is one of my least favorite things in the books is uh, this whole Kingsmooth story, and there's the the priest of the drowned god who is in this episode, but he has like one line, which is like you you know it doesn't matter what your father thought we have to have the king's mood maybe you'll be the leader you'd be the first woman in charge but you probably won't be so good luck with that which is fine because speech yes i do too but in the books he has pages and pages and it is endless and boring um (laughs) and so i appreciated the fact that they kind of just cut to the chase here which is okay we're gonna have a new king uh we don't just have a a regular right of succession because oh everything in the iron islands is different they got different gods they got different ways to pick a king and so to be continued there. And then Theon yeah. is headed for that, uh, that, uh, mess of a situation too. So good yeah. luck. Kid. I really, <laughs> see, I really like the priest's speech because he established two things. One, no woman has ever led the ironborn. Uh huh. But if you win, go ahead. Like, it's not. Yeah. I mean, nope, he doesn't believe that me. she will win, but he's like, yeah, yeah. knock yourself out. We're not going to make you put on a mask to enter it or any of that stuff. Just, just so you know. Yeah. They do things different there. Did you say there, there were two things? No, that was it. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's a good... It, it, yeah, something something I like about that speech. The guy who this tossed like the, Balin over the bridge seemed fun. Yeah, I, I don't like the Iron Islanders. I think I uh, in the books or the TV show, I think they're kind of boring. I hope I hope it's more interesting in the in the TV <laughs> show than it is. It, perhaps be, by being shorter, it will be fundamentally more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were most interesting when they were trying to take Winterfell and that failed miserably. Right. So there you have it. Right. So I think the question now, and this is, this is, I think a problem with a lot in the, in the George R. R. Martin books, you read these, you know, hundreds of pages about the, about Dorne and about the Iron Islands. And, you know, it's fine as far as it goes, but you have to keep asking yourself, is this going somewhere? So, you know, if the power struggle for the Iron Islands ends up becoming important for the larger issue of what's happening in the story or in the North and all that, then great. That's great. But sometimes I, I, I wonder if these little side stories about power struggles mm-hmm. in other kingdoms are really that important or not. I feel like this is probably a little more important than the one in Dorne, but maybe not that much more important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I disagree. I'm really hoping that Dorne is more important than this. I mean, I'm hoping you're probably right that this is <laughs> this is probably actually more important. I mean, if I could pick, I would probably pick Dorne because I like those ladies more than I like all the beardy, uh, long-haired, wet guys. Yeah, the cranky. Yeah. We do not wear pretty things. We only wear rocks and eat, ah, and eat fish. That is our way. Yeah. Okay. They they have wine and. Uh, and uh, wine, women, and song down in Doran, actually. Yeah. So that's why Doran is more popular than the Iron Islands as a vacation and guess spot. Wh- 
<laughs> guess what? We're not going to spend that much time because we were not there this episode. Yeah, we, we, were, we were not there. We missed we missed them. We missed uh, the the Daenerys too. But you know who? Mm-hmm. You know what we did get as our last stop? Still we're seen going Littlefinger. We're going. We haven't seen Littlefinger. No, that's true. Um, let's go to the Wall. Oh, oh that's that's pretty boring. What could happen the there? Wall. Well, um, so it's time. We, when we last left them, the Onion Knight, and uh, they had sent Dol- Dolores Ed to go find the Wildings, <laughs> uh, but they, the Onion Knight was still there with a couple of, of uh, John's buddies and John's dead body, And uh, but time's up, and uh, the, all of the uh, traitors of Castle Black are going to break down the door and kill everybody inside. Here's Johnny. Um, and here's Johnny. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> There's that moment where they break, start to break down the door, and I'm just waiting uh, waiting for them to stick their face in the door. But instead, <laughs> at that very moment, uh, there's big thumps coming from the outside of Castle Black, because the Wildings and and one one the giant, have arrived. Yay. And uh, you don't mess with one one uh, if you shoot an arrow at him, he will just pick pick you up and <laughs> smash you against a wall until you're just a, yeah, a just like a splat on the wall. <laughs> Which was sounds so excited. I love that guy. I love that guy, and I love that he gets really pissed off. And like, you know, what do you do if you're a giant and somebody shoots at you? You just grab them and smash and smash them against a wall until they're pulp. And he does. Like- what are you thinking? How thick do you think that guy's skin is? <laughs> you think your arrow that you shot into the fur on his back is going to do anything? I feel like this scene really pays off the idea that that the people who get sent to the wall are the dregs of Westeros, because mm-hmm. at that moment when you've got the you know the leaders of the of the cabal who decided to stab John, um, they're all they're all they're like, come on, you got to fight, and everybody else is like, yeah not gonna happen forget it like they're they're just not interested they they want to save their own skins you know who who are they fighting for either right it's like the guy who just killed the guy that we elected and they got a giant who is gonna is gonna step on us we're done we're we're done for all the awful stuff they said about wildlings last episode he sure as hell surrendered pretty quickly to the wildlings well i think he lost i mean he, i think that what happened is that the men dropped their weapons and then there was nothing then he he knew the jig was up at that point although i do like the dolorous ed rather than doing what he really really could have done and just chop off the head of uh mm-hmm. sir what is it alistair yeah yeah um, sir alistair and Marin trant and Marin trant right yeah so so he could have like chopped chopped off their heads uh, right then and the and all that and he's like no put them in the cells you know like just trying to restore order to the Night's Watch, uh, even though you know there's a giant and Thens and a bunch of wildlings in the uh, in in the in the castle now. And you notice they uh, do still have the fundamental disagreement on the purpose of the Night's Watch, where right. the jerks were saying we've held this wall against the wildlings for hundreds of years, and that's not actually what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly right. That's, nope. That's just their little racist uh, side project of the of the actual reason, which any all of the well, people who are... see the wildlings kill and eat a whole village. Well, yeah. Oh, no. They're they're bad, right? But that's not the reason that right. anybody is there. Is You've ruined my presidential campaign now, Monty, by point, pointing out my inconsistency. I'm not saying <laughs> that the wildlings aren't bad. I'm just saying they're not the reason the wall exists. And, uh... And the people who were at Hard Home with John know that firsthand, right? And and that's I I keep wanting somebody to be like, we saw the dead rise. This is bad. Forget about the wildlings. They're not the problem. But um, 
I don't know if I've actually seen that speech yet. Perhaps Dolores Ed will will get that out. He'll have he'll have the Onion Knight come in and explain what the heck is going on. Um, well, no, actually, I guess Jon Snow might be able to do it yeah. next episode because what what. Uh, in a moment that we've all been waiting for because it was pretty obvious this was going to happen from the moment that they killed Jon Snow at the end of last season and the moment they killed him in the last book of uh, that's been published too because uh, George, I'll tell you this about how George R. R. Martin kills characters. He kills them midstream in shocking sudden ways yeah. that you go, oh, wow, and then you keep going. What he doesn't do is kill them at an end of, at the end of a book because when he kills someone, he really wants you to know that they're dead and he wants to see the aftermath. He wants to show you all the terrible things that happen because they die. So in the books, when Jon Snow dies, he dies like in last season at the very end of a book. And you think to yourself, this is suspicious because... <laughs> What's the aftermath? The aftermath is he's not going to be dead after all, or they're going to bring him back from the dead, which they showed the patience of one episode of making us wait for it. But here, (laughs) the Onion Knight goes to the Red Woman, you know, Melisandre (laughs) says, look, I know you're feeling down. I know you don't. You feel like the Lord of Light has let you down. But you know what? (laughs) I hear that uh, you might be able to resurrect people. Yeah, uh, I've been reading the message boards, and people have a real good idea. So I was wondering <laughs> if you could maybe, with your magic, and well, I mean, and we did see she observed Thoros of Mir bring back Beric Dondarrion, so right. that was right there, right? Like she she didn't do it, but she saw it, and she thought that it wasn't possible, as she says, but it it happened. Um, and I I can't help but think that since she's had all these visions of what John's going to do. Uh, in the future that she has to have that moment of like, oh, maybe he does them because I bring him back to life. So she gives it a shot. I, I like how the Onion Knight basically says, have you ever tried? You know, give it a yeah. shot. Give it, see, let's see what happens. Do some magic. Try to do a resurrection spell. What's the worst that could happen? Um, Probably something terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People coming back from the dead. That always works out great, great in fantasy stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, There's I a lot of that in the hard that that turned out really well. The Onion Knight hasn't read much fantasy because he only recently learned to read, you see. So, mm. mm-hmm. um, but also she does the, so the, uh, but Melisandre has standards. She says this Jon Snow, he's filthy. He's covered with blood. Uh, mm-hmm. his hair's too long. Got to give him a haircut. <laughs> takes Finally. Some, takes some hair. Don't moisturize him. Throws it in the, uh, th- throws it in, gets out her big bellows and blows into his mouth because he's only mostly dead. Nope. Um, and she chants, and it doesn't work. And I actually had a and moment where I thought, ends. And, and I thought, wouldn't this be, I, I thought, one, it would be really kind of fun if they set us up here, and he doesn't come back to life, and they need to do something else, because I still don't don't believe he wasn't going to come back to life. But um, but that doesn't, that isn't what happens. They all leave the room, and I think, is the wolf going to leave the room, too? No, the wolf's yeah. going to stay there. <laughs> and I, I actually was looking for, like, are they going to cut to the shot of the wolf on the ground? <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, oh, and the yeah, wolf sits up, and then John breathes in and is shocked to be alive, and that's the it, end of the episode. It HBO was a shot or... from every Frankenstein movie where <laughs> they shoot him. Oh, nothing happened. I guess he's not coming back to life. Wait a long time. Well, I guess I'll just turn away in sadness now, and then we see the monster's eyes open or hand yeah. move or something. 
this show does not linger on things without a reason. It's always so tight. It always cuts from one scene to the next very quickly, going from uh, Fion over to Iron Islands. The only other time I can think about this, uh, that they actually did this, was when we were in the Frankenstein labs at King's Landing, and it lingers on the scientists for mm-hmm. maybe like a beat or two longer than you think, like, what's going to happen? And then the operation table starts spazzing and that's where zombie mountain is and yep. it was like okay so they're capable of doing something like that mm. they did that again this week when they decided to linger on the things that were not actually happening until something did happen and hey what do you know john snow's back it's i mean it's obviously not a surprise i think everybody expected him to be back and everybody <laughs> sort of expected it to be this way i i guess my question for both of you would be um is there is there a way you wish they had done this differently is this is this a perfectly fine way to resolve this i mean it was clear this isn't i don't think this is a cheat i mean this is the reason they were able to kill him is because they knew they were going to bring him back and perhaps even because of the the, what's happened here right we've sort of resolved his leadership problems (laughs) see i do think it was a cheat i think Hmm. killing some killing a character and then two hours of screen time later they're back then the only reason you killed him was for the cheap excitement of pretending to kill a character. I yes. was really hoping that he would be dead. That the show would at least pretend to have him dead longer than that. Hmm. Although part of that is because I found myself rooting for fans to be wrong. <laughs> sure. Like in The Force hmm. Awakens, I hope Ray isn't related to anybody. Right. But... Yeah, I, I don't think they could have brought her, brought him back this quickly in a way that would satisfy me. I agree. I agree. I feel like the conversation that they had uh, between the Onion Knight and Melisandre was very like you you expect it to happen. There was something that um that he said that was along the lines of like so. I want to cut to the chase. It was like, yeah, we know. We've been here for two hours of screen time. We know what the chase is. Get to it. And they, <laughs> again, they just stretched it out for another, however long that scene was, 10 minutes to make it, to make us glued to the screens for another few minutes. And it's like, they could have gotten rid of all of that in a much more uh, respectful way of our time. Because you're right. Killing someone at the very end of the book is only worth it for the year of anticipation for the next time when they're going to bring him back. I, I mean, I feel like they did. I, I'm kind of relieved that they're bringing him back in episode two rather than doing what I feared would happen, which was they would be playing with us for 10 weeks and bring him back at the end of episode 10 when everybody I would almost prefer that. Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm totally into that. I, I, I'm not. I, and, and bear with me here, because I, I do agree with some of what you said. Um, I think it was clear he was coming back. Right. I, I think, I think that's the part of the problem is it was clear he was coming back. Like everybody knew. And then there were, I mean, the way, the way the book is, or, and the way the, the show is structured, there's nobody else to really have following this plot thread. We've been following him. So you kill him. And then it's really kind of unclear why we were following him at all. Uh, so it, it's, it's not like some of the other characters they've killed where there were lots of interesting things that sprung off of it. I don't think they, they never, they clearly never intended for him to stay dead. And that's what I mean about, I don't think they're cheating where they they brought him back because they realized they wanted to bring him back. They always knew he was going to come back. But I think the problem is uh, if you know it's inevitably going to be a resurrection, I don't think I want to wait 10 weeks while they toy with me. Um, what I what I do think that this lacked is I, I felt like, uh, and you mentioned this, like the Onion Knight's motivation where he's like, hey, 
maybe we should try to bring him back to life. It's like, well, you could have tried that with like anybody who's ever died. I, I, I'm not sure yeah, Stannis it's is out there somewhere. Exactly. I'm not sure it's quite as clearly motivated as uh, I would like. And I almost wanted it to be more desperate. I almost wanted it to be more like everybody else is getting ready to bury him. And Melisandre is so uh, distraught about getting her, her uh, prophecies wrong that she kind of goes nuts and says, I know I got a solution. I'm going to go for broke here. I'm going to try this resurrection thing when people aren't paying attention. And she brings him back and everybody's shocked. I'd kind of almost rather it be something like that where like uh, there's a character uh, flaw maybe uh, or, or a strange motivation that leads to his resurrection instead of it being like the Onion Knight saying, all right, have we waited long enough? Okay, let's just bring him back now. Because that 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 was the part that rubbed me wrong. It's just that uh, it's not the speed of it. And, and I'm kind of grateful for that because we can move along with the plot. But because we know he's coming back. But like the co- what was the cost? I mean, maybe there'll be some cost to John, although I'm not sure I really believe that there will be any cost. Maybe there'll be some cost to Melisandre. That would be interesting. I, I think after the end of last episode. Uh, we wondered maybe, you know, does she sacrifice herself? Does her little uh, necklace break and she turns into a, an old crone by, by the power she has to tap here? But instead, it seemed like kind of nobody paid a price and he just came back because we were tired of waiting. And that that's well, the part that disappointed me about it. I agree. Well, if that's the motivation for bringing him back immediately, don't kill him. <laughs> yeah, well, like th- you didn't fool anybody with your big dramatic killing Jon well, Snow move, either in the books yeah, or the show, I think so. So it's just a cheap pop, and I think that that I actually agree with is is um, if you can't kill him in a way that makes you actually feel, and they, to their credit, they said, "No, oh, no, he's dead. Jon Snow's dead. He's dead." Um, <laughs> yeah, but they said that while Kit Harrington was on set, uh, and everybody knew he was on yeah. set, and so that this is the problem. Is like if you can't really make it feel like. Uh, in the storyline, you probably have killed him. Then is it worth killing him? Yeah, <laughs> because I, I everybody knows believe. you didn't kill him. <laughs> I, I want so badly to believe what they're telling me, and and it does. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> it really yeah. doesn't. Like something more could have happened character-wise yeah. when they brought him back. Well, so we'll see. We'll see next week, right? That, I, I think the something more could have happened character-wise to cause him being brought back. I assume that there will put this will put him on a trajectory that is different now. But you know, there were other ways perhaps to do that than than have all of last season of all the 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 issues with the Night's Watch leading to him getting stabbed. And but but who knows? Maybe John will be different. Maybe he will have learned something. Maybe just the fact that he is a return from the dead guy will give him an impact and a level of leadership that he wasn't able to have uh, before. Uh, but again, I say, what's the price for this? Surely there's a price for bringing somebody back from the dead, right? Let me ask this question. Um, as I understand it, he was brought back to life because they needed the Lord Commander again. Mm -hmm. But among fans, I feel like the goal of bringing him back to life is so they can say, well, now he's served his time with the Night's Watch because death has released him and now he can go off and eventually become king. Right. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like... If he is to become king, he eventually has to leave the Night's Watch, and right. death seems like a pretty convenient time for it to happen. Yeah, I don't... I mean, what's the motivation? The, the question is, like, what's the Onion Knight's motivation? I think the Onion Knight's motivation is 
that uh, he's convinced about what they saw at Hard Home, and they feel like like he needs he needs this level of leadership because the you know Stannis is dead, or is it just that he wants somebody else to lead, and all of the nearby leaders are are either terrible or dead? So John was the <laughs> John is the best hope. I guess that's the motivator. Is like, well, well, we need you to lead, and really the leader of the Night's Watch is the person who we need to lead against this moment where the where the White Walkers are coming. I mean that, that he's right. Like he's not wrong that somebody needs to lead that fight, and having it be the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch is the right person to do it, and that Jon Snow uh, out of that whole group is the right person to be the leader. He's right about all of those things. I'm not sure I really put a lot of, of interest into the fan theories about how like right. now his service is over and he can depart. I don't know. But uh, maybe it's a technicality. I'm not sure I want to see that, though, well, right? Is well, John, if he's John, still the Lord Commander, then him dying will have done nothing to his arc, right? Well, uh, like, it, he'll still like wildlings. He'll still be in charge of the Night's Watch. Well, that's true. That's true. It's like, what? How does how does his arc change now that he's he's you know risen from the dead? Does this give him more authority to uh, revitalize the Night's Watch? Does he march the Night's Watch down and take back Winterfell, which is totally against the rules? Does he leave? <laughs> I, 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 does he get a dragon for a pet? I don't know, right? But but a cat dragon. But please, something, right? I mean, I think we would all agree on that. Like there there yeah. there need to be consequences for him coming back from the dead. We can't go back to the status quo here it needs to be very different now that this huge thing happened i'm imagining that his revival is going to give his argument about white walkers more credence Mm. in that if this magical thing can happen maybe that magical thing can happen but if i can come up with that in 10 seconds during a podcast (laughs) i hope that's not what they're doing this season yeah we'll see we'll see We'll see. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm not looking forward to what weird jumps they're going to have to make in their logic about what the Night's Watch is going to have to, you know, be doing. So who's in charge at the wall? Is it John? Because I feel like it's Tormund. Well, right. I mean, if the if it's largely, I, I think the question is what happens to the, we'll find out next week, right? I think we'll find right. out what happens to the brothers, what happens to the Night's Watch themselves. Are they, are the ones who are there now like, all right, the bad people are gone. They're in the, they're in the jail. Uh, John came back from the dead. I think we're going to listen to what he has to say. Or is it going to be more like, uh, you guys, you guys beat it. The wildlings are here. We're taking over. We're going to, we're going to fortify this wall against the white walkers and you can stand with us or not. And the night's watch is disbanded or whatever. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a real question is like, what is the new state of affairs at the wall? Because they do need people at the wall, right? I mean, that is where they're trying to make their stand against the, the forces on the other side of the wall. And there, we know there's an army of zombies and, and, uh, scary white walkers with magical powers and stuff. I guess we'll find out next week. Let's let's hope, or at least we'll get because this show never provides complete answers in one episode because you have eight stories in one episode. But who's in charge at the wall? Ha ha! Maybe it is Jon Snow. Maybe it is uh, Tormund. Maybe it's the Onion Knight. Who knows? Maybe it's Dolorous Ed. <laughs> I kind of hope the show becomes pushing me. daisies. Hmm. I kind of hope the show becomes Pushing Daisies and John uh, can't touch anybody. Otherwise, he goes back to <laughs> death as well. Or I, I forget how the rules of that show work, but I hope it becomes Pushing Daisies. You, you touch them and they come back to life. But then if you touch them a second time, then they die forever. 
Oh, okay. So just touch all the White Walkers twice, and we'll be all set. Yeah. That's it. And then make a pie. There we go. Mm. <laughs> Hot pie is still alive, you know. Hot pie. He's out there. He's in, in Gendry. They're making armor and, and pies in their armor and pie shop. Good for them. That's what they do. <laughs> They're still doing it. They're fine. They're fine. They're always going to be fine. They're going to be uh, the last two. The last shot of the show. There's two of them. Hey, how's Who wants it going? Pie? Actually, that'll be it. Brian comes out of the woods and he's like, "Hey, everybody, what went on?" And and Pot Pie is there and like, "Would you like a pie?" The end. It's Game of Thrones. Boom. Ah, that would be <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, all right, so so we'll be back next week with episode three. Brian will not be with us next time, correct? I will not be with you next time. I really hope you guys have a good time, so or we'll, that you have a really lame episode. We'll be we'll begin the <laughs> wow. Okay, we'll begin, we'll begin the variations on hosts. We'll be have some episodes that next week will be me and Monty. We'll have the, I think the episode after that is just Brian and a guest. Ooh, uh, it'll be very fun. We'll mix it. We're, we'll mix it up. But uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to our uh, our post game recap of Game of Thrones season six episode two. I've been Jason Snell. Uh, I will hope to continue to be Jason Snell, even if Melisandre has to come and help. Uh, and thank you, Monty Ashley. Thank you, Jason. And thank you, Brian Hamilton. Thank you, Jason and Monty. We will see you all next week, except, except for Brian. For me.